Okay. <laughs> Crisis averted. All right. We got some elbow room. That's nice. Everybody's going to get a chance to chime in if you want to, but you don't have to. Um, it's, it has been a little bit of a stressful morning for us, so I know I could take, and we've been running around, so I could uh, take the opportunity to just Breathe. take a deep breath yes. and calm down as we begin and just prepare our hearts to pray and read scripture, and then we'll start our conversation. So, Oh Lord, let my soul rise up to meet you as the day rises to meet the sun. Glory Glory to to the the Father, and to the Son, and to the the Holy Spirit, Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Okay, let's read it. You're up. Oh, I'm up. (laughs) You're up. You're on deck? No. Isaiah 49, verse 13. Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Your builders make haste, your destroyers, and those who laid you waste go out from you. Okay, that's good. Good enough? One yeah, two. that's good. All right. All right, and John eleven That's it. Thank you, Julia. Julia. (laughs) Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. It was so hard to read. All right. Let's continue in prayer. Eternal God, in whom mercy is endless and the treasury of compassion inexhaustible, your generous presence is always attuned to hurting ones. Your listening ear is bent toward the cries of the wounded. Your heart of love fills with tears for the suffering. Look kindly upon us and increase your mercy in us that in difficult moments we might not despair nor become despondent, but with great confidence submit ourselves to your holy will, which is love and mercy itself. And as we are embraced by your divine compassion, so may we live with that same compassion for all people and the whole of your creation. This we ask in the name of him whose love enfolds us all, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now let us pray together with confidence as our Savior taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Okay. Well, we are continuing what we started last week and weren't able to finish. Uh, a lesson that I've entitled The Art of Embrace. Um, which, So I 
I think embrace, like I said last week, just to bring you all up to speed, is a really helpful picture of what it means for us to come together in love as a community. Because like I said last week, unless you're hugging yourself, an embrace always requires giving and receiving from both parties or from more than two because you know in our house we like to do hug sandwiches where one of the kids is in between Kimmy and I and we grab so it takes it takes three in that case but it always takes both giving and receiving not just one person saying I'm giving I'm giving I'm giving but I don't need anything but I'm giving and I'm receiving from you and then on the other end the other person is saying I'm giving and receiving just like that picture which is one of my favorites um, we talked last week about authenticity and vulnerability, about two, uh, these are two building blocks of community that we come with sincere hearts without agendas and hidden agendas and masks. We have authenticity and also vulnerability because to do that is to open yourself up to the possibility of being hurt. It's to take a risk. When you say, here's who I am, here's where I've been, here's what I think, here's what hurts me, you're opening yourself up to the possibility of pain. But there's no intimacy without vulnerability. So we're going to continue that this morning. The third thing, the third building block of community, which is the aspect of this art of embrace, is acceptance. Um, and acceptance, to accept another person, like we have to be able to accept the fact that God has accepted us. We have to accept the fact that we are accepted in order to fully accept others. And so I've got a lot of stuff I want to share with you. We might get to all of it, we might not. But there's this one quote uh, from a theologian named, oh, actually, no, I guess the wrong order. There it is. Uh, a theologian named Paul Tillich that really has ministered to me uh, for a long time. He's talking about grace. He says, grace strikes us when our disgust for our own being, our indifference, our weakness, our hostility, and our lack of direction have become intolerable to us. It strikes us when year after year the longed-for perfection of life does not appear, when the old compulsions reign within us as they have for decades, when despair destroys all joy and courage. Sometimes, at that moment, a wave of light breaks into our darkness. And it is as though a voice were saying, you are accepted, accepted by that which is greater than you and the name of which you do not know. Do not try to do anything now. Perhaps later you will do much. Do not seek for anything. Do not perform anything. Do not intend anything. Simply accept the fact that you are accepted. Yes, and so that resonated with me because I don't know about you, but sometimes I look at my life, the last five years, the last ten years, and I think, I thought I'd be a lot farther along by now, you know? I thought I would have really nailed this thing. And it's embarrassing sometimes, and it's, and it's very vulnerable. But to accept the fact that God in Christ has welcomed us, has accepted us, like the prodigal, like the father of the prodigal son who was waiting with his arms wide open before the prodigal son even asked for forgiveness. His arms of welcome were open to him. He did not even let him finish his planned apology speech, but welcomed it in. That's the kind of acceptance that's extended to us. That's radical grace. And that is the kind of acceptance that God invites us to extend to one another. 
to accept one another as we have been accepted. The principle is, like Jesus told his disciples, freely you have received, now freely give. You have been accepted. You have been forgiven. Accept others as you have been. And it is not easy to accept other people. It's easy to accept that they exist, but I mean, I, I, should, I, I make that as a declarative statement, but I should pose it as a question. Is it easy to accept others all the time? No, it's not, because they don't do things like, like you do, and they don't see things like you do, and everybody knows we're right. <laughs> so if, but, no, I'm joking, of course. But um, this is another quote uh, by a guy named, a monk named Thomas Merton that has stuck with me in talking about accepting others. He said, the beginning of love is the will to let those we love be perfectly themselves, the resolution not to twist them to fit our own image. If in loving them, we do not love what they are, but only their potential likeness to ourselves, then we do not love them. We only love the reflection of ourselves we find in them. And wow, that, boy, when I first read that, that hit me because it's so true. I do it with my family. I do it with my friends. Like, I get pretty upset when someone is not like me, and I just think, what what am I doing here? But to be able, now, I should say this as a clarification. She looks at me. <laughs> There's a story there. <laughs> at least one. But so to, to do that, like, I, I should clarify, this does not mean that we approve of everything that other people do. It does not mean that everything other people do is okay or helpful. People engage in destructive behaviors, both destructive to themselves and destructive to others. Sometimes we have to call that out. But we are still called to, if we love somebody, somebody to genuinely accept them into our hearts, into our lives, as they are, not as our own project to turn them into a reflection of us, which can be challenging, especially if we, especially if we feel we have a little religious weight behind it. You know, We kind of disguise our own agendas in saying, I just want you to be more like Jesus, when sometimes we just want to be more like us. So uh, Jean Vanier, who I, a few weeks ago we talked about, started this community of people who live in an intentional community with, with people with mental and physical disabilities and those without, says communion means accepting people just as they are with all their limits and inner pain, but also with their gifts and their beauty and their capacity to grow, to see the beauty inside of all the pain. There are some people that maybe their personality rubs you the wrong way. Maybe they're just, for there are lots of reasons, but it is difficult to accept them. And more than that, it's difficult to see that they actually have something that can make your life better that they can contribute to you. I'm going to admit my own arrogance here, but so often I enter into a relationship or a conversation, I'm pretty sure, you know, I've got a lot to offer another person. I'm like, I've got some wisdom, I've got some, you know, talent, I've got whatever, but I don't necessarily see that person as my teacher. I don't see that person as contributing to my well-being, and I certainly don't see that I need that person. But the whole principle in the body of Christ is that we need each other. That we there is no like second-class citizens. There's not the givers and the receivers. Remember, embrace. We all give and we all receive, and that's hard to do when people annoy us. <laughs> I mean, sometimes people hurt us, but sometimes people are just so annoying. And it's hard to do that. And to that point, there, one of my favorite songwriters of all time, Rich Mullins, 
um, has this song called Brother's Keeper. Um, this is more than a little convicting to me. The lyrics go, now the plumber's got a drip in his spigot, the mechanic's got a clank in his car, and the preacher's thinking thoughts that are wicked, and the lover's got a lonely heart. My friends aren't the way I wish they were. They are just the way they are. And I will be my brother's keeper, not the one who judges him. I won't despise him for his weakness. I won't regard him for his strength. I won't take away his freedom. I will help him learn to stand. And I will. I will be my brother's keeper. That's what we're invited to do, to accept one another without jumping to judgment. How quick we size up other people and judge them. Like, do you do that? You can. Is this a safe place? You can admit that. I see someone. I, maybe I just see the kind of vehicle that they're driving or the bumper sticker they have on their car. And I'm like, I already know you. I've met you before. And I judge. Jesus said, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. He says the same measure that you judge others is the measure that you will be judged. I don't want to be judged with the measure that I so frequently judge others. And so I ask that the Holy Spirit conform my heart to the image of Jesus, that I would be able to refrain from judgment in, so that I can be fully present with someone, recognize what, they, what their gifts are and what their needs are, and enter into a relationship with them. So, um, acceptance. It's a big deal. If we want to embrace one another in love, we have to accept each other. But you can accept someone from a distance. Like you can say, all right, I don't exactly agree with you. You kind of get on my nerves a little bit, but I accept you as long as you stay over there and I stay over here. We got a good thing going. Now, truthfully, sometimes in relationships, you do have to set certain boundaries. So I'm not downplaying that. But if we want to genuinely embrace one another in love, we have to move closer than just acceptance. Going through here, we have to move toward empathy. Um, there's a song that we sing or that we listen to in the car with our kids a lot, and also love to sing in our house. It's called the Empathy Song. I meant to bring my guitar so I could sing it for you, but I forgot it. So I'm just the words go. I don't know what it's like to be you, and I don't know what you have to go through. I can try to see the world through your eyes, put myself in your shoes, and empathize. It's a beautiful song. I wish I'd brought my guitar so I could sing the whole thing. But when thinking about that, it's a hard thing. And I think about trying to instruct my kids in the way of empathy, because um, sometimes my kids have a very highly developed sense of justice and injustice, not so much empathy. It's like, he did X, Y, Z, and like, well, maybe, you know, if you could just kind of step into his shoes a little bit and see. And then as soon as I say that, I'm like, oh, boom, dad, you got to put that into practice yourself <laughs> while you're sitting here lecturing your kids about it. We all have a lot of room to grow in the area of empathy. Simple definition of empathy is the ability to understand and share another person's feelings. The ability to understand and share another person's feelings. This is a, this is a necessity for love. Doesn't mean we agree, but we understand. And so that's the first part of empathy is understanding. 
We want to genuinely and generously understand where another person is coming from. This can include their perspectives, their opinions, their experiences, their preferences, their beliefs, their values, their decisions. We want to genuinely understand. So I want to do a little experiment, um, a little empathy experiment here. Um, I'm going to read a list of things, and as I read them, I want you to think about how you feel about this person, okay? Some of them, you're going to be like, right with you. Some of them, you're going to be like, you're going to feel, you know, (laughs) you're going to feel your frustration level building. I'm guessing, so... I'm going to build it up too much. So how do you feel about someone who is a morning person? (laughs) Who wakes up happy. Who wakes up at 5.30 in the morning, ready to put on the coffee, ready to turn on the music, and just ready and raring to go. Okay. I should have said up front, do not answer. You answer in the privacy of your own mind. Don't answer out loud. Yeah, that means don't look at me. How... Okay, so how do you feel about someone who is not a morning person that you don't want to even talk to until at least an hour after they've been awake, maybe more? How do you feel about someone who likes classical music? How do you feel about someone who likes rap or hip-hop music? How do you feel about someone who likes smooth jazz music? I'm not looking at anybody in particular. How do you feel about somebody who doesn't even like music? How do you feel about someone who is rich? How do you feel about someone who is poor? How do you feel about someone who is quiet? What about someone who is loud? What about someone who wears a suit and tie everywhere they go? (laughs) No answers out loud, please. What about someone who wears extremely baggy pants with no belt so they have to hold them up? as they're walking. How do you feel about someone who wears a headscarf? How do you feel about someone who is a refugee? What about someone who's an undocumented immigrant? How do you feel about someone who voted for Donald Trump? How do you feel about someone who voted for Hillary Clinton? Or voted for a third party? Or didn't vote? How do you feel about someone who has an American flag bumper sticker? has a Confederate flag bumper sticker, has a Jesus fish bumper sticker, has an I heart my wife bumper sticker, has a Black Lives Matter bumper sticker. What about a Blue Lives Matter bumper sticker? How do you feel about someone who's a Baptist? How do you feel about someone who's a Methodist? (laughs) What about a Catholic? What about a Muslim? It is so easy to automatically assume by certain things that we know where a person is coming from. My question and the whole point behind that exercise is to challenge us to think, not that we agree with everything in that list, because morning people are obviously the best. (laughs) No, they're not the best, they're just right. (laughs) But um, the question is, am I willing to take the time to understand where another person is coming from. So that if I disagree, at least I have a genuine disagreement based on understanding, not misunderstanding. 
So there are five steps, well, there are more than that, but at least five steps that I think that we can take to better understand others, to move toward empathy. One of the things is to let go of assumptions. We assume so much. We assume. I assume all the time. I make judgments all the time. When somebody drives down the car with a, or down the street with a really loud truck, and, and I'm like, oh, that guy. I do not like that guy. Or whatever. No offense if you drive a really loud truck, but <laughs> it's just my own psychosis here. <laughs> so let go of assumptions, because assumptions are really stumbling blocks on the way to understanding. We have to let them go to be able to understand another person as much as what lies within our power. The second one, way to move towards understanding, is to be curious, not judgmental. If I decide beforehand, it doesn't mean I don't have opinions or convictions, but if I decide beforehand, I completely disagree with you and I don't even care what you have to say. Am I gonna be curious at all? about what someone else has to offer? No, I'm not gonna be, not in the least. So be curious, not judgmental, if you wanna understand. That's a big if. And if you want to understand, be curious, not judgmental. The third thing, if you've you've made it that far and you still wanna keep going, is to listen, I think I'm spelling this right, listen listen empathically, the same word as, same root as empathy, to listen, with empathy. Um, a way to, to paraphrase empathic listening, um, I first heard from a guy named Stephen Covey in a work training I did, was the principle, seek first to understand, then to be understood. So we all need to be understood. It's Again, it's never a one-way street. We need and want to be understood. We deserve to be understood. But if I want to understand another person, I have to say, okay, I'll have my turn to talk, but I want to understand what you're saying. So um, there's a, a quote from you know, from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he is just like, when he talks about listening, I mean, he's just ferocious here, but I, I wanted to uh, share my misery with you, so I'm going to read this mm-hmm. quote. Bonhoeffer, said, in his book Life Together, says, many people are looking for an, for an ear that will listen. They do not find it among Christians, because these Christians are talking where they should be listening. But he who can no longer listen to his brother will soon no longer be listening to God either. He will be doing nothing but prattle in the presence of God too. This is the beginning of the death of the spiritual life. And in the end, there is nothing left but spiritual chatter and clerical condescension arrayed in pious words. One who cannot listen long and patiently will presently be talking beside the point and be never really speaking to others, albeit he is not conscious of it. Anyone who thinks that his time is too valuable to spend keeping quiet will eventually have no time for God and his brother, but only for himself and his own follies. Wow. Yeah. Sometimes our, our, the way that we approach listening is simply waiting for our turn to speak. And I can say that because I do that all the time. Kimmy and I are have, we having a conversation, and she's like, no, wait, just let me talk. I hope you don't mind me saying that. But like, at some point in our relationship, she realized that if she was going to get a word in sometimes, <laughs> she had to elbow her way in. Like it, speaking was a contact sport, you know, because I'll talk all day. I mean, I'll just – and she's falling asleep. You know, she'll be in bed, and I'm like, you know what? I had an idea, and I'll just blah, 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 blah. But like – so 
listening is not just, I think we laugh at that because all of us know that experience. You know? um, listening is not just waiting for our turn to talk. Another Bonhoeffer quote, there is a kind of listening with ha half an ear that presumes already to know what the other person has to say. Again, that judgment and assumption thing. It is an impatient, inattentive listening that despises the brother and is only waiting for a chance to speak and thus get rid of the other person. That was really convicting to me. I don't want to listen that way. I want to listen empathically to truly and genuinely understand. Because some people, if you don't do that, they will not talk. They're not just going to jump in and say, here's what I think. They are going to retreat, and they will, you will not understand them if you are not willing to do the hard work of patience and listening. So, by contrast, listening empathically is generous, and it defers to the other person. Another quote that I love about listening from a, um, the host of one of my favorite podcasts, Krista Tippett, uh, she says, generous listening is powered by curiosity, a virtue that we can invite and nurture in ourselves to render it instinctive. It involves a kind of vulnerability, a willingness to be surprised. I love that, a willingness to be surprised, to let go of assumptions and take in ambiguity. The listener wants to understand the humanity behind the words of the other. And that is so key because when I'm listening, it's not just an exchange of information. I want to know you as a person. Even if I disagree with you, I want to know you and love you as a person. And so I listen. Listening is an act of love. So um, that's, that's, that's four uh, steps toward better understanding. Uh, the last couple, real quickly, is ask clarifying questions. And so clarifying questions is not, how in the world could you possibly think that? <laughs> Are you crazy? <laughs> That's not a clarifying question. Uh, more like, oh, what do you mean by that? Or, hmm, it, are you saying X, Y, Z? Now, tread carefully, because if you're upset when someone, have you ever gotten upset when someone shares their opinion? <laughs> Only all the time. So be careful in how you're speaking. Um, and also in, in your facial expressions and all that, because you can be like, I'm really interested to hear what you have to say, and you can turn them off really quickly. So, But ask clarifying questions patiently and where appropriate. And then the last thing is to, and this is kind of once you've heard, restate or, or, and, or paraphrase what you've heard to confirm that you truly understand. So something like, what I hear you saying is that being up in the morning makes you feel like, uh, I don't know, <laughs> the world is crashing in or whatever, <laughs> that, like you're going to die. <laughs> what I hear you saying is, or do I understand correctly by, that sort of thing. Now, don't do it in a robotic way because if you're like me, if I feel like somebody's just working me with a system, I'm like, I shut down. I'm like, uh, uh you're not using those tricks on me. But but to do it in a in a um, in a natural way, just and again, the point is not to agree. It's to make sure you understand where that person is coming from. And you would be surprised when you really understand where someone is coming from. You may feel a little differently about them. So that's part of empathy. Empathy is understanding where another person is coming from. Another part of empathy, and the second part of that definition, is that empathy is sharing in the feelings of another. It's sharing in the feelings of another. 
Romans 12.15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. You could add a lot more things to that list. Be worried or concerned with people who are concerned. Maybe worry isn't the best one, but be concerned. Be um, excited. With, well, that's rejoice. Be rejoice with those who rejoice. Um, that is part of empathy is sharing feelings. Now, some people, this comes much more naturally, too. Like, they can't help it. Like, if you're feeling something and they're around you, they're going to feel it and probably feel it big time. And, again, I hope you don't mind me picking on you, but but Kimmy is the queen of uh, empathy, sometimes unintentional empathy, um, which is one of the things I love so much about her, is that she is able to genuinely enter in and feel what someone else is feeling. It can be, I'll just say, it can be miserable for her, as she would say, because opening your heart to the feelings of another is it can be a painful thing. that You can walk away from it hurting because they're hurting, but that's what it is to have empathy. Some of us, we're not, it don't come so natural, but we can cultivate it. We can actually grow in empathy. So I want to play a... Um, where did that go? I'm going to play a video for you about empathy, a short video. Hope you can hear it. This is from Brene Brown. It's as loud as it'll go. So what is empathy, and why is it very different from sympathy? Empathy fuels connection. Sympathy drives disconnection. Empathy, it's, a, it's very interesting. Teresa Wiseman is a nursing scholar who studied professions, very diverse professions where empathy is relevant and came up with four qualities of empathy. Perspective taking, the ability to take the perspective of another person or recognize their perspective as their truth. Staying out of judgment, not easy when you enjoy it as much as most of us do. Recognizing emotion in other people and then communicating that. Empathy is feeling with and to me, I always think of empathy as this kind of sacred space where someone's kind of in a deep hole and they shout out from the bottom and they say, I'm stuck, it's dark, I'm overwhelmed. And then we look and we say, hey, I'm down. I know what it's like down here. And you're not alone. Sympathy is, ooh, it's bad, uh-huh. Uh, no, you want a sandwich? Um, empathy is a choice and it's a vulnerable choice because in order to connect with you I have to connect with something in myself that knows that feeling rarely if ever does an empathic response begin with at least I have it yeah and we do it all the time because you know what someone just shared something with us that's incredibly painful and we're trying to silver lining it I don't think that's a verb, but I'm using it as one. We're trying to put this little thing around it. So I had a miscarriage. Oh, at least you know you can get pregnant. I think my marriage is falling apart. At least you have a marriage. John's getting kicked out of school. At least Sarah is an A student. But one of the things we do sometimes in the face of very difficult conversations is we try to make things better. If I share something with you that's very difficult, I'd rather you say, I don't even know what to say right now, I'm just so glad you told me. 
Because the truth is, rarely can a response make something better. What makes something better is connection. Thought that that's just so good. Mm-hmm. Um, let me back up here. Um, so, four ways I think that we move toward that kind of really be uh, that kind of sharing feelings through empathy. Um, the first, just really simple and easy to remember. The first thing is just to be with people, like to just to just be there, to not feel like we have to give advice. And the video alluded to that. To not feel like we have to fix another person or or tell them the story of, um, you know, maybe there's a time to say, hey, here's where this happened to me. But sometimes the best thing to do is not to talk. It's just to be together with someone without an agenda. Um, another quote from Jean Vanier. He says, those of you who have had the privilege, the privilege of accompanying people in distress and inner pain know that it is not easy to walk with them without having any answers to their problems or solutions for their pain. Have you felt like that before? Like, have you felt helpless when you're in with someone who is suffering? Like, you, I, I, I want to give you something. I don't have anything to give you. We know that feeling. For many people in pain, there is no solution. For a mother who has just lost her child or for a woman who has just been abandoned by her husband, there is no answer. There is just pain. What they need is a friend who is willing to walk with them within all that pain. Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. So just being together with someone. The second one, being and seeing. In the Zulu tribe, the word for hello is I see you. It's a, how does it pronounce it? Sawubona. It just means I see you. And how does that make you feel when you know that someone has genuinely sees you? Like not sees past you and is thinking about what they're going to say, but genuinely sees you, values you as a person. It genuinely sees you. That's part of how we move toward empathy is that we really see one another. I mean, I've always got a hundred things going on in my mind. And even so unintentionally, I may be with someone else, but I don't really see them because I'm lost in my little world, in my mind. But empathy involves really seeing one another. Think about how Jesus saw people. Like maybe that nobody else saw. Even in a crowd. It's a crowd of however many hundreds of people. And Jesus looks directly at someone and speaks to them. So seeing. The third one, which goes along with the other list, is listen. Because listen, we don't only listen to understand. Listening is an act, an act of care. It's a way that we care for people. We listen. She alluded to that in the video. Um, and to not feel, again, like we have to contribute advice or our own story, and we don't even necessarily have to talk. And here's a good way to think about listening when you are with people who are suffering. Resist the urge to plan out what you're going to say. Maybe even put your own thoughts on hold for a minute. Resist the urge to plan, because you know how you're doing in a conversation, like, I'm planning and I'm, I'm three steps ahead. And it's natural. Don't beat yourself up for the fact that you're doing that, especially if you love that person, because you want to help. But, you know, accept that that's how you're feeling and thinking, and then resist that urge and come back to being fully present with someone. Um, and so on the on the subject of listening to care, uh, Krista Tippett also says that listening is about being present 
not just about being quiet. So there's other aspects of really listening to someone who is in pain or who is sharing their feelings with you, which is a sacred thing that someone says, I'm going to open up my heart and I'm going to share with you what hurts me. So to receive that in a spirit of hospitality is not only to just be quiet, although that's pretty important. There are also nonverbal things that we bring to good listening. There's eye contact. You know, when someone's speaking, don't be looking off into the distance or even looking down. I mean, unless, uh, no, anyway, I won't even qualify that. So make make eye contact, but in a non-awkward way, okay? So not just like staring (laughs) like that, but make generous eye contact to let them know again that you see them. And your facial expressions, pay attention to your facial expressions, Um, you know, uh, your body language, we mentioned that stuff earlier, and even nodding while you're listening, just to let them know, I'm tracking with you, like, I'm, I'm really, I'm hearing you here. Um, and also, even occasionally verbal affirmations, not sharing stories or advice, but saying things like, oh, I see, you know, oh, yes, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, that sort of thing is a way that we, we call that active listening. That's really a way to be more present to people who are suffering, even if we don't know what to say. And then ultimately, like she said in the video, sometimes it's like, that is so hard, and I don't even know what to say right now, but I just want you to know that I'm with you, and I'm here for you, and I always will be. You know. Um, so that's three, and we're coming up on the end of our time together. The fourth one, and this is how we'll, we'll close it. So being, seeing, listening, and bearing. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ personal example of this that may have seemed insignificant at the time but really stuck with me. I have a, uh, a kind of arthritis called ankylosing spondylitis, so it gets really inflamed. And if I'm on my medication, I, I, do, I do well. But there was one time when I was off my medication and the weather was changing and it was just a perfect storm. And uh, for some reason, this is before we had kids, uh, we were married and for some reason we stayed over at my parents' house. Um, one night and like I woke up in the middle of the night and I, I couldn't even roll over. Like my back hurt so bad I couldn't even roll over, much less walk. This is two o'clock in the morning and uh, so I just remember that like Kimmy got up with me and you gotta understand Kimmy loves her sleep. This girl <laughs> loves her sleep. But I remember I just have this vivid memory of her getting up with me, helping me up out of the bed, allowing me to put my arm around her and walking me very slowly, it was something like this, into the living room and we sat down and we watched a show or something, you know. But like that has always stuck with me. Bear one another's burdens, Paul says, and in this way you're fulfilling the law of Christ. Bonhoeffer says it's the fellowship of the cross to experience the burden of the other, a fellowship of the cross. And this is what I want to end with, is pointing back to the fact that when we're talking about sharing in the feelings and sufferings of people, but as we do that, we look back to our Lord who did that for us, who was willing to not stay at a distance, but who entered into our pain and, and more than just through empathy, but actually experienced our suffering. One of my favorite poems is a poem called Jesus, it's called Jesus of the Scars by a man named Edward Shalito. I'm going to read it to you. If we have never sought, we seek thee now. Thine eyes burn through the dark, our only stars. We must have sight of thorn pricks on thy brow. We must have thee, O Jesus of the scars. The heavens frighten us. They are too calm. In all the universe, we have no place. Our wounds are hurting us. Where is the balm? Lord Jesus, by thy scars, we claim thy grace.
If when the doors are shut, thou drawest near, only reveal those hands, that side of thine. We know today what wounds are. Have no fear. Show us thy scars. We know the countersign. The other gods were strong, but thou wast weak. They rode, but thou didst stumble to a throne. But to our wounds, only God's wounds can speak. And not a God has wounds, but thou alone. To bear one another's burdens, Bonhoeffer says, is to enter into the fellowship of the cross. When we suffer, we know that the one who has gone before us has himself suffered, that he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. So when we truly embrace others, and I believe that Jesus still does. Like I believe that when we suffer, it's not only that Jesus bore our suffering on the cross, but even now when we suffer, he suffers with us. So when we enter into the suffering of another person, to be fully present with them, to see them, to hear them, and to help bear their burdens, when we do that, we are standing on holy ground. And we're in the presence of God, for God himself is there. And he's with us if we're with them. Let's close in prayer. Lord, open our eyes that we may see you in our brothers and sisters. Lord, open our ears that we may hear the cries of the hungry, the cold, the frightened, the oppressed. Lord, open our hearts that we may love each other as you have loved us. Renew us in your spirit. Lord, free us and make us one. Amen. 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 All right.